kindness and and self-compassion kind of go hand in hand in our ability to recognize in ourselves what we hope to see outside of ourselves, the capacity to to learn, to have a growth mindset, to be willing to let go of our agenda, to change ourselves, to go through the, the messiness that life is, but with curiosity and awareness of, of what is possible. Um, and, and that builds our compassion for everyone else who's going through the same stuff. We're stressed, we're stretched thin, we don't always have all the tools or the communities of practice that provide that level of support. And so we have to forgive ourselves sometimes, but we also have to recognize that I, I, I feel like it's a it's kind of a responsibility for anyone who is a leader, who is trying to create social change in the world, who has an impact beyond ourselves, that we have to show up as whole and as as aware and present as we can in order to be able to know how best to respond in each moment. And we can only do that when we're willing to do the deeper inner work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. My name is David Gaines, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And today we're just so thrilled to invite Gretchen Steidel to the podcast. This interview is such a breath of fresh air about Gretchen's work. She is the founder and president of Global Grassroots, a mindfulness-based social venture incubator for women in East Africa, whose mission is to catalyze women and girls as leaders of conscious social change in their communities. Conscious social change is a design methodology that employs mindfulness through the process of designing a social solution. Through their programs, Women emerge as change agents who learn to leverage their own assets, gifts, and passions to benefit their common good. Their solutions are designed to be innovative, sustainable, and impactful at the systemic and root levels of a social change. Gretchen is also the founder of Circles for Conscious Change, which works with social entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and corporations on the use of mindfulness as a design tool for social innovation. Gretchen is the author of Leading from Within, Conscious Social Change, and Mindfulness for Social Innovation, and also a producer of the Emmy-nominated documentary film, The Devil Came on Horseback, and co-author of the memoir of the same name. Welcome, Gretchen, to the podcast. Well, today we have Gretchen Steidel on the podcast. Gretchen, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. So can you tell us um, a little bit more about the work that you're doing with your organization, Global Grassroots? Sure. Um, So Global Grassroots, I founded 17 years ago, and it's an international NGO that works with women survivors of war in East Africa. And our focus is on bringing um, mindfulness and mind-body trauma healing as um, tools for the ways in which we support leadership and social entrepreneurship and supporting women in starting their own nonprofit organizations to address the issues that they face in their communities. 
Wow, that's really amazing. And I'm just curious, what are some of those nonprofit organizations that they then go on to found themselves? So over the years, we've worked with women on a whole range of different issues that they found to be a priority in their communities. And it's it's really important for us to trust their leadership, their ideas, and their solutions. Amazing. But in the last several years, we have found that more and more women want to work on clean water access because access mm-hmm. to water affects so many different elements of their lives, um, not just disease and and health for children and families, but also it impacts whether or not a girl goes to spend several hours collecting water or goes to school on time. Or it can often be a trigger for domestic violence if it takes so long to get water that it creates conflict at home or it limits women in being able to pursue other economic endeavors. And uh, so Water itself tends to be this hub for being able to address so many other issues affecting women's lives. And when women do lead and control the access to water, they then can provide support services as women come to the water access point. They can give water away for free to those who have been exploited because maybe they're disabled and can't get it themselves. or And they can use resources from selling water to those who can afford to pay for it to then reinvest in other things that their community needs like orphan school fees or health insurance or whatever might be arising with COVID and food security issues. So they tend to suddenly become these empowered champions of local needs through these kinds of nonprofit projects. That's very cool. So as they kind of begin to incorporate access to water, they're, they're elevating themselves in leadership. Um, they're elevating themselves in within the community. Absolutely. So most of the women who participate in our program have never had the opportunity before to advance their own ideas. They've often been left out of the peace building or the the humanitarian and development aid. Uh, so many of them are subsistence farmers. Maybe they only have a few years of elementary school and have never really been trusted to be able to do this work. And yet they have amazing ideas and incredible insights into what is needed. So a lot of our work with these women in addition to all of the nuts and bolts skills of how to design an effective nonprofit organization that will be sustainable, will work at a root level of this issue and create benefits for women and girls, we also bring mind-body work into supporting their sense of agency and empowerment as they step into these leadership roles and their well-being because they live in so many cases in a realm of chronic stress and intense sacrifice and post-war and conflict with rarely the opportunity to really attend to their own needs. And so we approach this work very holistically to ensure that on all levels, they have the opportunity, the courage, the confidence, and, and the capacities to step into these new leadership roles. That's amazing. And I know that like a big part of your work is really exploring this link between the inner change and social change. So how do you see those two concepts influencing each other? 
Thank you for that question. You've touched upon sort of the, the, the special sauce or the essence of what we do. We fully believe that we can't be effective agents of change if we are not investing in our own self-awareness, our own mindfulness, and our capacity to lead from that place. And so we have done some research on the scientific evidence. We've done our own impact assessment work, and we've studied NGOs around the world that are increasingly finding the importance of personal transformation for social change. And what we what we've discovered and what we believe to be true from our own observations is that if we start investing in our own self-awareness, we start to – there's so many different benefits from doing so. But one of them is we become more aware of how we personally experience change. It's not always easy. We are becoming more aware of our blind spots where – our vulnerabilities, our fears, we're letting go of things that we used to do more from an ego perspective, and, and that's uncomfortable. But when we do that, we and we are catching ourselves before we're reactive, we're developing a deeper understanding of ourselves and what motivates us. We're working on those places where we have, um, you know, where we have uh, spaces to, to do our own work. And that brings us a different level of compassion and understanding of other people. And so as we try to be change agents in the world, instead of simply pointing fingers and blaming or demanding change of others, we come at it from a very different perspective of deep connection, of deep understanding, of the capacity to listen and be curious in the ways that we learn to do that for ourselves. And as a result, we connect differently we lead differently, we build relationships differently, and it affects the way in which we are able to understand problems and solve those same problems and build the relationships that will sustain our solutions over time. Yeah, when you touched on several things there that really I find fascinating. You know, um, wellness, I think, is a topic that more and more people are becoming aware of. We're doing some of the inner work, especially in the U.S., it feels like one of the biggest challenges is like, how do we get into this rhythm to slow down? Um, I'm I'm really curious, uh, and I'm not even sure if I know 100% how to ask, but it, to me, sometimes wellness and, and the idea of making space for it, it feels like a very privileged thing to be able to do, mm -hmm. right? So you're here when I'm hearing you talk about these young. Uh, women and empowering them to do some inner work. Like there's, there's a point of privilege where they can step into leadership through access with water. But you mentioned just that they're in chronic stress because it's, and I can't even imagine that level of stress. How do you approach the topic of wellness in that scenario? Because it, it feels like it still is deeply important. But again, like I'm, it just also feels like if you have the capacity to work on wellness, you come from a pretty privileged position. There, Thank you for asking that question. There is truth in that. Um, in the West, it is a privileged orientation to have so many choices and to feel like we're so busy and we have no time and that this is just an indulgence. Um, but it's relevant to everyone in all circumstances. And there's so many different pathways to being able to to find space for self-care and to understand its importance for our ability to 
show up fully and with all of our strength and awareness to be able to be present to what's unfolding around us. And there are simple ways in which that can be accessible and nourishing. And that's, that's part of what we consider is, um, important to the way in which we do our work is what works for our women. How many different ways can we support them in finding different practices that can serve them in their lives, in the context of their environment, um, safely and in ways that, um, may even provide them with, um, new skills that they can teach to others within their families. And so we have, um, and how do we share those methods in a way that um, honors both the traditions that these lineages are based on, these various wisdom traditions, but also take into account the context in which we are operating so that we're not imposing something so foreign and so much from the outside that it isn't respectful of the particular context in which they're living and breathing and, and experiencing. So, so much of what we have developed over the years has been in partnership with our women in our communities to understand their needs, understand what works, how can we um, support how they view well-being and what they want for themselves and what they need and what will work for them. And then how to build a local community of facilitators that teach each other in their own language across and within their own cultural context. And so we've, we've been very careful about um, and intentional about that and our learning over the years. That's really incredible. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's powerful. Um, in your 17 years of doing this work, are there a few moments or stories that stand out to you as this is the impact, this is the purpose of what we're doing? Thank you. Um, oh, there's many. There's many. <laughs> That's um, wonderful. One of the stories we love to tell about how simple a practice can really be transformative in thinking about how inner work affects social change um, is a, a story from Rwanda from a training program that I, I led with my colleague, Jocelyn Uitonsa, who now runs all of our programs in East Africa. And I think this was in 2008. We were, we teach a lot of very simple mindfulness practices that we present simply as a, a way of, of noticing, you know, noticing um, that you're feeling angry right now and noticing how your body feels. Just ways for us to be more, connected to ourselves and in each moment yeah. what it is that we might need so that we aren't reacting unconsciously. Um, mm -hmm. And so one way that we can take that time to check in with ourselves is a simple practice of, of taking three breaths. The minute you catch yourself being triggered emotionally, with those deep three breaths, we check in with what are we feeling? What are we thinking? What might we need? How much of this is something that we need to attend to in ourselves and how much is our circumstances in front of us? And then being able to take that next step consciously instead of reactively. 
And so we might teach a simple practice like this. We teach um, half days because our women have an enormous amount of responsibility in their villages and their households, and we don't want to take up all of their time. But that also gives them a chance to kind of take these practices out into their daily life and to see how that might serve them. And then the next day they will come back to class and we ask, you know, what was that experience like? Is there anything that happened? How did this help? What was hard? And we debrief a little bit. And one day a woman raised her hand um, to speak about her experience. And she said, you know, yesterday I went home from my class and I had cleaned up my whole house prior to coming and I, I expected it to be the same. When I got there, I noticed my children had just sort of destroyed the place. It really messed up my my home and I was so angry and um, usually I react, and, and she used the words that I beat my children. And um, yesterday I remembered what you taught me, and I took three deep breaths. And I looked inside, and I realized that I, I don't want to react in any way that would harm my children. I, I want to – I just – I just want them to clean up the house. And so she stood there taking deep breaths and sort of closed her eyes and said to them, I'm going to stand here with my eyes closed just like this until you clean up the house. And and they did. And she was so surprised. And she realized I didn't have to use any form of corporal punishment to get them to do what I want. Um, and just that single moment of reflection resulted in a whole shift in personal behavior and understanding. And what was amazing about this is that she was part of a team that was working on the issue of domestic violence. And mm. she was focused on how to train perpetrators um, of violence to, to begin to address the ways in which they were treating their partners. And mm. in that moment, she realized it's really hard. You can't just tell someone not to, that there's a whole different process of really understanding the, the, the urge and the behavior and the reactivity. And she developed a, a, a whole different level of compassion for what would be needed to make this kind of transformative shift in the issue that she was working on. And that maybe um, they might add in an element of how they raise their children so that they would be addressing the next generation too. And so these simple moments of, of inner work of, of three breaths can within a, a container of, of this kind of deep self-awareness and, and up applying that to the way we see the world and know how we contribute to it can have really deep societal shifts as well. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a ripple effect. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just what I'm kind of sitting here reflecting on. Like you, it's, I don't know. It feels like it's hard to imagine that three breaths and that practice of that could have such a deep effect, but you're, you're affecting the individual. You're affecting her children. You're affecting the community all from this one moment. Uh, it's really a beautiful story. Yeah, just imagine if more more people, politicians and others, right. took three breaths right. before they took action or said something. For real. Yeah. Very different <laughs> yeah. world it would be. <laughs> oh, man. So I think that that's a great point. Like, I, I think it's a gentle reminder for all of us, um, again, kind of probably acknowledging this point of privilege that, that wellness is a part of a normal vocabulary for most of our listeners today, even if you are too busy, even if you haven't incorporated a practice, uh, you we know that it's important. We know that there can be some benefits to it. But I think that this is really 
a great reminder of of truly how important it is, especially for people in leadership and setting the example for other people. And, you know, with social enterprise, so much of it is about a ripple effect. How do we build into ourselves so that we can uh, build into other people so that they can build into other people? Uh, so uh, to Absolutely. me, this story really highlights uh, the importance of it. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking about this is we've been dissecting this new board value, kindness from compassion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like when we feel good, then we are kind to one another. So as an organization about social enterprise, how can we help others feel good about themselves? How can we lift people up? And, uh, you know, it sounds like so much of that is just the idea that it starts within. It starts with us. If you mm-hmm. want to see the a change in the world, then, you know, look in the mirror and let's start there. That's absolutely true. I think kindness and um, and self-compassion kind of go hand in hand in yeah. our ability to recognize in ourselves what we hope to see outside of ourselves, the capacity to to learn, to have a growth mindset, to be willing to let go of our agenda, to change ourselves, to go through the the messiness that life is, but with curiosity and awareness of of what is possible. Um, and and that builds our compassion for everyone else who's going through the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're stressed, we're stretched thin. We don't always have all the tools or the communities of practice that provide that level of support. And so we have to forgive ourselves sometimes, but we also have to recognize that I, I, I feel like it's a it's kind of a responsibility for anyone who is a leader, who is trying to create social change in the world, who has an impact beyond ourselves, that we have to show up as whole and as as aware and present as we can in order to be able to um, know how best to respond in each moment. And we can only do that when we're willing to do the deeper inner work. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I love that. I also wanted to ask about, I know that you have done a lot of research when it comes to this topic of well-being, and that you're currently working on the conscious change study, which is on the intersection of inner work and social change. So I'm just curious to hear about some of your learnings from that research, um, especially anything that's been particularly inspiring or surprising. Well, thanks for that question. Um, we've we've just put out a, a website, ConsciousChangeStudy.org, where we are housing all of our research in a really interactive form. We did this, Global Grassroots needed to kind of do this for ourselves to understand how the scientific evidence supports the intersection of inner work and social change um, so that we could explain why we incorporate mindfulness as a design tool. Why do we do mind-body trauma healing? Why does it matter for our impact? And yet what we found we thought would be valuable to others who are trying to explain this space or find rationale for doing so um, we went about studying five different fields of research on personal transformation, including mindfulness, well-being and resilience, power, uh, empowerment and agency, community and belonging, um, 
and social and emotional intelligence. And within each of these fields, we we identified the key studies that helped us understand the mechanisms of what happens when transformation is taking place within you. Um, how do you even define it? How do you measure it? And how might we explain the link and, and, and any influence it may have on how we can create social change? And from that, we we realize that so much of this research is done in very sort of clinical settings and doesn't exactly explain the experiences of of larger, longer term work of of practitioners in these fields. And so we went out and we surveyed 60 different international NGOs to find out from them what they were seeing and understood about this intersection and some you know, some patterns emerged from from what they were seeing common threads. And we put all of this into sort of a model that we're sharing now about how we think these things relate. And um, I described a little bit of this pathway earlier, but it's our investment in the inner work that drives our self-awareness. And the more that we're self-aware, the more that we can regulate ourselves. We have greater emotional regulation. We we understand ourselves, less conflict in, and anger in our conflict. And and when we go through this inside-out process, we connect with others better and we understand others. And that leads us to build this, what we call a pro-social orientation. We become more altruistic, more committed to the common good, more um, apt to be aware of inequity and injustice. And we think that then sets up the conditions for us being better able to attend to social change in the world. If we are well, if we are whole, if we have a level of inner awareness and social emotional intelligence with each other, we're more naturally eager and curious and wanting to benefit the, the larger good. What we found and what surprised us in the research is that last little link that says, well, then does this lead to major social impact and transformation hasn't been studied very fully. There's tons of anecdotes, lots of people talking about what this looks like in law and climate change and nursing and education, but the scientific research is lacking in this space and we need more collaboration between the real practitioners who are doing this work, the wisdom teachers, the neuroscientists and clinical psychologists and the academics um, to come together and help demonstrate the critical importance of inner work, of well-being, inner well-being, and um, and personal transformation to social change. And now we hope that by sharing this big picture, we might encourage more collaboration and more people to connect around this space. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. It sounds, yeah, it sounds so, so good. And I mean, I really think um, that that's kind of my question. I, I think that uh, it's been such a great story to have told, to, to hear uh, the work that you're doing. How can people be supporting you and your work and, and how do they plug in uh, kind of in this collaborative spirit that you just mentioned? Well, where I hope we can go next is beginning to understand the whole landscape of organizations, actors, and networks that care about this space. Um, who can provide feedback on this research, tell us what we're missing, where do we go from here, um, so that we can map out um, the players that are in this space 
to be able to bring greater visibility, greater resources, build a connective tissue between them so that we can collaborate, we can learn from each other, and we can really transform the way international development, social impact, and and leadership is done in a way that's much more conscious and mindful and self-aware. And then is there a way to like plug in um, specifically, like, is, should we go to uh, your website? Yes, you can go to the consciouschangestudy.org or globalgrassroots.org um, or email me at uh, our email address for this sort of thought leadership work is wisdomlab at globalgrassroots.org. And we're really eager to connect with folks who can share their perspective, their research, uh, their questions and join one of our wisdom circles of leaders across the country who are now coming together in dialogue to talk about what the sector needs to advance its work more um, more effectively. That's awesome. Sounds like a really exciting opportunity. Thank you. So thank you again just so much for, for being on and joining with us. Um, your work sounds unbelievable and you can hear the impact that it's having with all these women around uh, in a different part of the world from us, but uh, it, it's having quite the ripple effect. So we appreciate your energy that you've put towards this and, and being able to share uh, those stories and your passion here today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I think we we all need to work together and work um yeah. on our own our own yeah. selves in order for us to to be able to achieve the change that we know we need in the world absolutely yep. yeah yep that's definitely part of the goal with social enterprise alliance is how do we connect with one another and build each other up so i appreciate you taking the time thanks so much for joining thank you Gretchen. thank you so much